Hello, hello. Super excited for this next episode. I was a cover girl in November 2018 for the magazine Bliss Babe. They were doing a mental illness and addiction awareness issue and yours truly was able to tell her story. I did that with an article that I wrote which was huge the first time I'd been published and it was a feature story from my writings in 2018. I hope you enjoy. Smart and sexy, beautifully brave, adventurous, a witty, street smart, badass, business savvy woman married to a prominent healthcare executive, philanthropist, master volunteer, socialite, PTA mom of three. She carries many torches on the outside and has a few flames burning that you don't see on the inside. Fear, pain, rage, shame, anxiety, and depression. Turning to alcohol was an easy solution to so many of her problems until her solution became her problem. In my life, I have suffered sudden, severe panic attacks that would cripple professional athletes. I've experienced immense catastrophic loss of immediate family members that would shock and devastate the strongest of souls. Drinking masked my pain and fears, and as most chemicals do, severely compromised my brain function and my behavior became brutally inconsistent. I blacked out frequently and often needed highlights of the previous night's events by calling friends the following morning. Breakfast became mimosas and worried friends and family became the enemy. My life was spiraling out of control. I didn't understand my worth. I didn't recognize my place in life and I never understood the importance of being the person I was. A strong, loving, supportive woman. A wife. A mother. Friend, aunt, sister, and daughter. That was never enough. I was never enough. Alcohol was there for me to celebrate new jobs and to grieve failing businesses, to share in a toast with good friends and to mourn the loss of yet another, to pair with an amazing new recipe or a morning cocktail to cure the ailments of the night before. While trying to self-manage my growing addiction, I realized switching from red to white wine or drinking beer instead of vodka wasn't making a difference. Starting consumption at 5 p.m. didn't make anything better either. I still housed the two bottles of wine. This wasn't the time to ask myself, am I an alcoholic? This was the time to ask myself, is alcohol getting in the way of living my best life? And it sure was. I made my first call for help by seeking a licensed therapist. After a few sessions, it was suggested that my alcohol dependency was being used to mask and anxiety and panic disorder and depression. These illnesses were coming from one root issue, unresolved trauma. Well, there was the fact that I came from a long ass line of addicts too, but that is another story. When I think of trauma, I tend to think of blood and gore, visible scars, broken legs, car accidents. I don't think of trauma as being a child witnessing my alcoholic father beating my mother. I don't think about living off of food stamps and block cheese or uprooting my entire life from New York City to Nevada in the prime of my adolescence. I don't think about my father's fatal motorcycle accident while drunk driving when I was 16. 
or when it was time to grieve my brother's horrendous death caused by an explosion in his home just a few short years later. I don't think of trauma as wondering if my best friend is going to live after her cancer diagnosis or die like everyone else I'd loved, including my second mother, my Aunt Denise, whose death I was still grieving. Knowing I was on the brink of losing my family, I had to make a choice to get healthy or continue to run the path of destruction and potentially my own loss of life. I made the brave decision against everything in my being and gave myself a moment of grace by asking for help I so desperately needed. After consulting close friends and family with guidance from my therapist and other trusted medical professionals, I decided it was best to treat my illness at a center that specialized in the neuroscience of trauma and addiction. It was time to get to the root cause of the issues that instigated so much pain and suffering in my life. Hearing the diagnoses from my psychologist was startling. Panic disorder, anxiety disorder, major depressive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, alcohol dependency, activity addiction, workaholism, unresolved trauma, unresolved grief. It was so much. I was literally absorbing the pain that I would assume everyone around me was feeling. I had flashbacks of violent fistfights. If I saw a commercial on TV with fire, I inherited the assumed pain my brother felt by the flames that burned him. And I continued to rerun his accident in my head, repeatedly feeling that pain. I had to learn that these flashbacks of trauma were considered triggers and that these events were not happening in the present. After five weeks of intensive therapy, I was entered back into the real world to test the waters of living an alcohol-free life of recovery, gratitude, and mindfulness with a whole newfound love and understanding of self. I took with me a recovery toolbox overflowing with techniques to aid in navigating the murky waters of this new life. I hibernated, or hid, for the first year while trying to focus on putting my recovery first so that everything in my life I loved didn't come last. It was so hard. I was worried that everyone would wonder where I was. I was worried that everyone would judge me for not drinking. Alcohol is the only drug you have to justify not taking. I was worried that I wouldn't be fun anymore. My anxiety left me frozen in fear and panic while staring into the mirror getting ready for yet another gala. I couldn't do it. I knew there was a potential I would run into my well-known anxiety killer, alcohol, rather than dealing with the uncomfortable symptoms of my anxiety and panic disorders. Nervousness, sweating, increased heart rate, shortness of breath, crying, fear of the unknown. I made a huge, life-changing shift. I said no. I realized for me to be successful, I had to take myself out of the environment that so easily allowed me to mask my pain and would allow me to slip back into my old ways of dealing with my new problems. I surrounded myself with friends and family that loved and cherished me. I spent more quality time with my children. I rekindled relationships with my true friends and most importantly, with myself. Through a local 12-step program, I met a group of individuals who took me in as family and lit my path of sobriety. Doctors, lawyers, housewives, business owners, addiction does ignore affluence. They were all there, 
I was stunned. I thought, why didn't I know so-and-so had the same challenge? I mean, I had no freaking idea. There were a few mommies that recognized me, and I immediately came running to me and said, please, 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 please don't tell anyone you saw me here. That hit me so hard. The shame, the embarrassment, the same feelings I had for so long, and frankly, I did at that time. All because we wanted to get better? We were worried that the mommies at school, the friends that brushed off their DUIs as bad luck, or the pals that suggested we've all been there, would judge us? I grew angry. If I would have known about my counterparts having these same struggles, I may have gotten help sooner. They could have helped me. I wasn't as different as I thought I was. I bet they had some tools they could have shared with me. It was then that I realized I was not going to continue my journey anonymously, but I was going to start screaming this from the rooftops. We all have something we are recovering from, and I am not going to let society tell me I should be ashamed of my past choices, my current illnesses, or my journey to seek wellness. A startling trend that addicts and family need to be wary of is trading one addiction for another. A common tendency, one stops smoking and then starts eating, stops drinking and then starts smoking, stops shopping and then starts gambling. It's a slippery slope, and for me, I replaced my addiction to alcohol with sugar. I already loved sugar and consumed lots of sugary drinks while on the sauce, so this wasn't new news. I sought comfort through eating and drinking ungodly amounts of sugar and slowly gained insalubrious pounds of fat. At first, I didn't care of the repercussions. I just kept using the excuse, I can, because I stopped drinking. With my tools and new pals in the recovery community, I recognized that I needed to reevaluate my nutrition plan. I reached out for help and hired a personal trainer because asking for help was the new badass thing to do. With delicate diet modifications that would minimize withdrawal symptoms from the sugar and increasingly more intense workouts as my fitness level improved, I jumped out of my comfort zone and agreed to participate in a fitness competition. In this four-month journey, I lost 18 pounds of fat and even brought home a few medals from the competition. Most importantly, my mental health was clearer, my sleeping patterns improved, and I functioned better and my moods were lighter. I rekindled the love and passion I had for fitness as it was lost during my drunken housewife days. At the time of this article, fitness was the number one tool in my recovery box, so much that I was wrapping up certifying myself as a personal trainer and health coach specializing in behavioral change. By doing so, I planned to work with clients to recognize their counterproductive behaviors and to coach them to discover new methods to move more, eat better, and make healthier decisions for themselves and their families. I really wanted to help people make healthy, productive, and permanent life changes while continuing to shatter the shame and stigma attached to mental illness and addiction. While the fitness industry proved not to be for me, I did wind up becoming a certified professional recovery coach, which has been a dream come true. Still being able to help people make their decisions of healthy, productive life changes and continuing to shatter the shame and stigma has been life-changing. Illness is not a choice, but how we approach it as a society is. 
It's time to reframe the conversation about asking for help and start listening to those that are both screaming out and suffering in silence. In 2018, I started the blog Sober Sally with the intent to inspire, live, and give, cultivating a community of recovery, inspiring others to tell their story, to live their best lives, and to give back to those in need. With over thousands of international social media follows, we've come together by vowing to end the shame and stigma of mental illness and addiction with great hope it will no longer be a barrier to anyone seeking help. We continue to lift each other up. We share our stories of hope and inspiration. And we know that everyone is fighting a battle and a little love and kindness do go a long way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I I've been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.